Well, good morning. It's always such a nice and amazing gift to be able to gather together. I think I was thinking about this yesterday as I was like mulling over what I'm saying today. I was like, every week I feel like Sunday just takes so long to come. I look forward to this chance to be together all week long. It's, just, it's such a good gift to be able to worship together, to delight in Jesus, and just to experience life together as a congregation. So thank you for being so amazing, and thank you to our worship team for leading us so well. It's just a really good gift to be able to be together. I was also thinking back to uh, years ago when I was a youth pastor, we used to take lots of long road trips to get to retreats. And on one particular road trip, we'd been on, journeying on our way home, and we stopped at West Edmonton Mall. Had an amazing time. It was fantastic. It was great. And one senior high uh, boy, he bought a whole big massive box of cinnamon buns while at West Edmonton Mall. We all piled back in the 15-passenger van, all smushed in together with this big box of cinnamon buns, freshly baked and delicious. As you can imagine, within a very few moments, the fragrance of the cinnamon buns just filled the entire vehicle, and all of us are just salivating because we just, we just really want to dive into these buns. And eventually, this guy pulls out the big box, grabs the knife and a fork, opens it up, starts cutting it out, giving a few small morsels to his close friends beside him, and all of us are waiting and waiting for him to pass the box around. Then he closes the box and put it back, puts it back underneath his seat, and we're like, there's no way, there's no way this is going to happen. So we ask him, we're like, hey, buddy, you want, do you want to give us a cinnamon bun as well? And they smell delicious. And he looks at us and just says, no. <laughs> even me, his loving and wise youth pastor, he wouldn't even give me a cinnamon bun. You know, last week, Pastor Caleb's mowing down raw onions, and I can't even get a cinnamon bun? Anyway, this guy, like, he just wouldn't pass off a cinnamon bun. He, like, left them underneath his seat for the rest of the trip, and we all had to sit there and smell these cinnamon buns for all of the hours in the remaining journey to get home. Have you ever been in that situation where there's something you just really want, but nobody will give it to you? Or maybe you've experienced the opposite side of this, where you had what everybody else wanted. And I know you, you're a great person. You would have shared. You wouldn't have been like Bozo Brown over there who decided not to share the cinnamon buns. You would have been generous. You would have passed it off. You would have shared the buns around the van and made sure that everybody had what they needed. Again, as you know, we're in this series called Deeper Life. We're looking at the essence of our faith and how do we go beyond just knowing about Jesus to really living out the life that he's called us into and the ways that he invites us to move forward with him. And today I'm excited we get the chance to talk about sharing the most amazing thing. We get to share Jesus. Because Jesus is sweeter and better and more lasting and more significant, satisfying the deep places of all of our souls, and we get to share him with the people around us. Let's pray together as we start off. Our God and Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your presence in our lives. Lord, for those of us who know you, we are so profoundly grateful that in your grace and in your mercy, you have sought us out. We are so grateful for the people that you placed in our lives who introduced us to you, whether that was parents or friends or a pastor or somebody else randomly that we didn't even really know. We are so grateful that you sent people to us so that we could experience the wonder of life in you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guard and keep these moments, you would fill us with your presence and peace, that you would guide us to be the people that you want us to be. Give us a freshness of passion and longing and desire, clarity to see the invitation that you give to us to lead other people close to you. Continue to guide us forward, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So again, today we're looking at this idea of how do we share Jesus with those around us. 
And the interesting thing, again, if you think back to this guy on the, on the trip in the van, he was afraid to give up his cinnamon buns because if he did, he would have less for himself. The interesting thing for us about Jesus is that as we share Jesus, we don't lose any part of him. It actually increases our understanding and deepens our intimacy with Jesus as we engage with him on this journey that he is about to lead other people close to him. And he invites us into this really good gift of being able to take the most precious, the most life-giving thing in all of the universe and be able to share this with people around us so that they also can experience life and hope and peace and freedom and joy. You see, God is passionate about people. God is passionate that everyone everywhere would have the opportunity to come to know him and to experience life and abundance and goodness in relationship with him. We talked about this in December when we looked at John 3.16. Do you remember we talked about, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. We recognize this amazing truth that the passion of God for people is so great that he would give his very self. He would give his eternal son to save and to redeem people who are fighting passionately against him. He would do anything to draw us back into life and intimacy with him. This is his level of passion. And in one passage, Jesus describes God as being like a shepherd who if he loses a sheep is willing to go and search the hills and the countrysides and trails and whatever it takes to find this lost one, to draw it back into relationship with him and with the rest of his community. It's a beautiful picture. And for so many of us, we know what that felt like. We know what that felt like to have the God of the universe pursue us and open our hearts and our minds to receive him. We know what it felt like to be drawn into his love and set free from the fear and the isolation of being outside. And today, if you're here, if you're watching online, and you don't yet know Jesus, this is the way that God pursues you. God journeys through every day and through every moment, through streets and hillsides and up and down and all kinds of areas and places because he is passionate about you. And he wants you to come to know him and to experience life and abundance and freedom and hope and peace and joy. This is the passion of God. And Peter reminds us that this passion impacts our every single daily life. Peter says to us, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And in this passage, Peter is talking about the fact that Jesus one day will come back. And just think about this for a second. Jesus has chosen not to come back yet because he is patient, because he is so intensely passionate that as many people as possible would come to know him and to experience life, he has chosen to not yet return. And let's think about that for a minute. If Jesus were to come back right now in this moment, all death would end. All pain and all suffering, all difficulty, all hardship, the power of sin in the world would be broken. Everything would be made right exactly the way that it was supposed to be. It's going to be amazing. But God is so passionate for the lives of people in our lives that he's chosen to not yet return. He is intensely patient because the love that he knows for me and for you and for the people in our lives that don't yet know him is so deep that he's willing to wait and endure all of the hardship and the loss and the suffering and the difficulty that takes place within the world. 
Do you know that this is the way that God loves you? That God was willing to wait and even to allow his suffering in the world to continue so that you would have the chance to know him and to experience life abundant and to the very full in his presence. And this is the same way that he cares for our family members and our friends and our co-workers and our neighbors and the people all around us. He cares this much. And so because God is this passionate, we who are called by his name and who are his people are also called to embrace the passion of God, this longing that everyone everywhere would have the opportunity in this space to come to know him and to see him, the opportunity to find life in the wonder and the goodness of his presence. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul puts it just so beautifully when he says this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And I want you to think just for a moment about the new life that Jesus has given to you. What is it that you love about the life that Jesus has entrusted to you? Is it that you have hope every day? And when circumstances seem overwhelming, you have a God who cares for you. Is it that you have hope that through all of eternity, you will get to experience life as it was intended to be? Is it that you just have strength for every day? Is it that he gives you friendship and connection in the body of Christ? Is it that he meets with you, that he comforts you? Is it that you know his strength and comfort, that those who have gone before you, those that you love who have passed away, that you will see them again in Jesus? What is it that you love about the new life that he's given to you? All of this is so very good. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that this is because we have been reconciled to God. We've been brought back into right relationship with him. But not just that. In a moment of unimaginable trust, The God of the universe says to me, and he says to you, I am entrusting you with the ministry of reconciliation. I will reconcile the world to myself through Christ by empowering you to go and to bring this message to everyone everywhere. We are God's plan A for the hearts and minds and lives and souls of people all around us. This is his very best way to lead others to know him. He has entrusted to me and to you the eternal destinies of people all around us. And sometimes we imagine this idea of sharing our faith. Sometimes we think that sharing our faith is for those who are very spiritual or for those who are profoundly gifted at it, for those with some unique kind of capacity. But this passage would remind us that every single one of us is invited into this life-changing, eternity-transforming work that God entrusts me and he entrusts you with this ministry of reconciliation, he is inviting you to change the eternity of people all around you. It's an amazing gift, and it's a tremendous responsibility. 
It's not an option for us as we pursue Jesus. This is a vital part of what it means to be a follower of Christ, is that we would be his witnesses. We would tell the world of the wonder and the goodness that we experience and know and have seen in Christ, that we would live on mission with him day in and day out. And certainly we do this because Jesus has called us to, because God is passionate about it, but we're also called to share our faith, to share the life of Jesus with people all around us, because this world is desperately in need. We live in a world that is literally tearing itself apart in anger and in fear. We live in the middle of a culture that is consumed by hopelessness, that expresses itself in cynicism and in emptiness. We live in a culture that is being swallowed up in loneliness. And in the middle of all of this, we have Jesus. We have Jesus who sees us in all of our anger and liberates us from it, who empowers us to know and to experience forgiveness so that reconciliation is possible, so that healing can take place, so that we do not need to live ruled by our anger and bitterness and frustration. We have Jesus, this beautiful Prince of Peace, who speaks his peace over all of our fears and calms the storm that rages in our hearts and in our minds. In the middle of a culture that is so cynical and so hopeless, we have a perfect hope in Christ of a God who journeys with us every single day, promising to strengthen and to empower us, and a perfect hope that for all of eternity, we will spend life with him in life exactly as it was intended to be, in a space where we are being swallowed up in loneliness. We have a God who says to me and to you, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. And he gives us this, this beautiful gift of his church, this community that we can come into and belong in regardless of our past or our present or what we are wrestling through, this space where we can come no matter where we are exactly as we are and find a place of belonging. And this place of the church where God will not leave us stuck where we have been, but where he will continue to call us forward into deep and powerful life change so that we will be the people that he intends us to be free to live out life as he wants it to be. We have so many good and amazing gifts in him, and we recognize that the world all around us needs exactly the presence of Jesus. He is the answer to all of the brokenness and the hardship and the pain and the destruction and the devastation in our world. Jesus is the only one who can set all of this right. I remember years ago after 9-11, when the world was out like radically wildly trying to find Osama bin Laden, my grandma made this amazing comment. She was talking about it and she just said, someone needs to find that man and tell him about Jesus. And it was this amazing recognition that no one's life is beyond redemption. And my grandma could see beyond fear and beyond anger and beyond frustration. She could see if this man could find Jesus, it would change the world. The story that he could tell of the redemptive movement of God in his life would change and transform thousands and millions of people. We recognize that we live in a world that is desperately in need of the presence of Christ. And we also recognize that if anyone passes from this life into the next without a relationship with God, they will move into a Christless eternity to live forever separated from the wonder of God's light and his hope, his peace, his fullness, his abundance, and his joy. 
And that's why God is so intensely passionate about this. Because his longing and his desire is that no one would have to ever experience a moment, let alone a full eternity without him. And so he is entrusting this to me and to you. And do you know today that there are more than 35,000 people in the city of Grand Prairie who do not know Jesus? That's never mind the county or the surrounding communities. Less than half of this community has embraced life and relationship with Jesus. And if there was even one person here who didn't know him, it would be way too many. And in this time and in this space, Jesus is saying to you and to me that we are called to reconcile people around us to Christ. He's calling us to embrace this really good vision that we would walk with him and journey with him in a way that will produce life and hope and joy and freedom and peace in the lives of so many people around him. And so how do we do this? Again, when I talk about this, for so many of us, we feel a combination of guilt and inadequacy. We know we should be sharing our faith more, but we're not really sure how to do it, and we just really feel guilty that we're not able to do it better. And so this morning, I want to give us a few things that are really critical for us to remember as we choose to embrace this journey with Jesus, to share our faith with those around us who Jesus loves and who we are passionate about. And the first thing that is essential for us is we, as we choose to embrace this journey to share our faith with those around us is prayer. It's impossible to overstate the importance of prayer in sharing Jesus with people around us. The scriptures remind us that nobody can come to God and find relationship with him apart from the movement of the Holy Spirit within them. It's only the Spirit of God that can open our eyes to see the fact that we are in need of Jesus and that he is the answer to the deepest needs of our soul. And so we need to be intentional and proactive to pray for those around us that they would find him and know him, that God would open them up to the truth of who he is because only God can bring about this kind of change. And a part of what he's inviting us to do is to intentionally partner with him to pray for those around us. And so as you came into the auditorium today, some handy, helpful person would have passed you a piece of paper that looks like this. And on the back of this piece of paper, there's a space for five different names that we're encouraging you to fill in. And what I'm asking us to do as a church is to embrace in a process of five by five by five. I want us to commit together to pray for five people in our lives who don't yet know Jesus, five times a week for about five minutes on those five days, and to do this for the next nine weeks leading up to Easter. Because there are so many people around us that need space and they need the time to find Jesus. And I know for some of you, you feel like, I don't think I could do that. But I just want to encourage us to remember that Jesus can empower us to do anything. And if I was the one in your life who didn't yet know Jesus, I would be so tremendously grateful if you would take five minutes, five times a week, to pray over the course of the next number of weeks that Jesus would open me up to receive him. So I want to encourage us to embrace this process, to, just intent, to be intentional to seek God for the lives of people all around us who don't yet know him. And again, if you don't know five people in your life who don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you to ask him for five people. Just say, Jesus, would you bring into my life the people that you want me to reach for you? the people that you have uniquely equipped my story to connect with them. Would you draw them in? And again, these five people, for those in our lives or those that we don't yet know, it could be anybody. It could be our family. It could be our friends. It could be our neighbors. It could be coworkers. It could be classmates. It could be the person that cuts your hair. 
Maybe it's someone that you randomly walk, uh, run into as you walk around your neighborhood. Maybe it's the person that you keep running into who ends up being your cashier over and over again when you're grocery shopping. Maybe it's the person who delivers your pizza. Who knows? But we just want to be open to ask God, who is it that you're inviting me to pray for? Who, are you, who do you want me to be intentional to engage with you in over the course of these next number of weeks? And if you're not sure what to pray, Again, a friend of mine has been using Acts 26, 17, and 18 as a good guide for prayer for those in his life who don't yet know Jesus, and I found it really helpful. Again, in this passage, the Apostle Paul, in one of his trials, is explaining the commission that Jesus gave to him. He's recounting the words that Jesus spoke to him when Jesus met him on the Damascus Road, and it says these words, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those sanctified by faith in me. And so if you're not sure what to pray, maybe just use this as a guide. Maybe what you want to do is you want to start off by saying, God, I realize you are sending me into the lives of people all around me. Jesus, you can use me and my life in whatever way you want to, to reveal the truth of who you are to the people in my life. The passage goes on to say, to open their eyes. Maybe you would just pray, Jesus, would you open the eyes of people all around me? These five people, would you help them to see the truth of who you are, to know the wonder of your presence, to recognize what is real? And then would you move them from darkness into light? Jesus, would you empower them to see what is real and what is true? Would you free them from the darkness? Would you move them from the power of Satan to you, Lord God? Would you liberate them from every way that the evil one has deceived them? Would you free them from any weight of darkness that would hold them back, that they would be able to experience the wonder of your truth so that they can know forgiveness of their sins, so that they could be free from the crippling weight of having to walk through life carrying the things that they feel ashamed of? Would you move in them that they would know your love in an infinite capacity? and they would find a place among those sanctified by faith in you. Jesus, would you give them a place among those you were choosing? Again, that might be a helpful way for us to engage with praying for those around us. Again, I want to encourage you, we'll do it together in a few moments, to spend some time praying and asking God, who are the five people that you want me to be intentional to pray for over the coming weeks? So again, prayer is the first and maybe the most important step that we will ever take in sharing our faith with those around us. And then from there, we want to be faithful to partner with the Holy Spirit. Again, the amazing thing is that God is already uniquely and powerfully at work in the lives of every single person around us. And if God is laying somebody on your heart to pray for, that's proof that God is already at work within their life. That God already has plans, there's already ways that he is moving within them. And our job is simply to stay in step with the movement of the Spirit of God. Because Jesus has all of the wisdom that's necessary. Jesus has all of the strength that's necessary. Jesus has all of the authority to bring whatever changes are necessary. And I know when I think about sharing my faith, really often I feel inadequate because I feel like I myself am not enough. And it's true, I'm really not. But Jesus really is enough. And I never have to do this on my own. As Jesus invites you to embrace the relationship with the people that he's calling you to pray for, all you have to do is just stay in step with him. Jesus knows when we need to be silent and just listen and give the people around us space to share their story and to tell where they're at and what's going on in their life and what it is that they believe. What are the struggles and the burdens that they are carrying? When do we just need to listen?
And Jesus knows when it's time for us to share part of our story, to talk about the ways that God has freed us from fear or insecurity or the ways that he continues to meet with us. God knows when it's time to maybe take the risk and to say to them, could I pray for you about what's going on in your life? And maybe to have the boldness and the courage to just pray for them right then. Jesus knows when it's time for us to explain to them the way that they can come to know Jesus and to find him. All that we need to do is just stay in step with him. To live this out with a kind of trust and with a kind of peace, without pressure to try and force everything in every single conversation, but also with a healthy, holy kind of urgency, where we will take this as far as Jesus invites us to take it in any conversation and in every interaction that he chooses to give to us. All we have to do is just stay in step with him. The author Rebecca Manley Pippert put it this way, we must ask God, where are you already at work in my world, Lord? Who are the people in my life that you are seeking? Open my eyes to see. We ask God to keep opening our eyes to see what it is that he is doing and how we can partner with him in the beautiful, life-transforming, redemptive work that he is about in our families, in our friendships, in our coworkers, in our classrooms, in our neighborhoods, and within this city and within this world. He's inviting us to play an active part. Again, a part of this might be that we choose to connect those that we are engaging with with the life of the church. Again, we run a course called Alpha. It's this amazing 12-week program that gives us a chance to eat together and just have conversations and dialogue about the goodness of who Jesus is and explain this truth in a way that doesn't feel threatening but just is conversational. And maybe a part of what Jesus will invite you to do is to invite a friend to Alpha or maybe to attend Alpha with you so that they also can have an opportunity to hear about the goodness of Jesus' presence in your life. And over the course of the year, we have four critical touch points that we want to choose to embrace and engage together where we can invite other people in to hear more about Jesus and the life that he has for them. These are Easter, the Father's Day Show and Shine, the Global Leadership Summit, and our Christmas services. Each of these events are designed particularly to help us to move forward and to invite people in. For example, our Christmas and our Easter services are always designed to express the wonder and the truth that God is with us and that he has come to redeem us. It's an opportunity to hear the truth of the gospel clearly presented at a time of year when people would typically choose to be more open to attending a church service. The Father's Day Show and Shine is an opportunity to just allow people to experience the life of the church in a way that feels less threatening. Again, in your life and in mine, we may have many people who would feel intimidated to walk into a service like this on a Sunday morning. And so the show and shine just gives us an opportunity to welcome people into a car show where they can see a bunch of amazing cars and vehicles, but also experience the hospitality of the church and maybe set foot in the building that they usually wouldn't and realize that they won't get struck by lightning. Or maybe just experience a sense of peace or joy or connection or realize that they already know a whole bunch of people here, way more than they thought. And the Global Leadership Summit gives us a chance to welcome people in to be nurtured and to grow, uh, to steward the leadership that God's given them in their family or in their workplace or wherever they may be, and once again, to just experience the hospitality of this place and to maybe hear a bit more about who Jesus is and to maybe take some first steps towards him. Again, as I said, we are nine weeks away from Easter. And we're redesigning how we're doing Easter this year to make sure that we have space and capacity to welcome in those that God is already moving in in my life and in yours. And so we want to be intentional to partner with Jesus in what he's doing in the lives of people around us, to pray for them over these nine weeks, and maybe, if it's the way that Jesus leads us, to invite them also to embrace the Easter services so they can celebrate with us and hear more about the goodness of who Jesus is 
and what he's done for them as well. Again, it could be that God invites us to welcome people into the life of the church, but I also know that a part of what he's doing in us is that he wants us to be strengthened and equipped individually to take the goodness of his truth in all the places that we live and work and play and choose to engage. Peter reminds us that we are to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give a reason for the hope that we have, but to do this with gentleness and respect. Again, Peter has an expectation that we would put in the work so that we can be prepared to tell everybody the reason for the hope that we have. Again, it could be that people in your life, Jesus will shine his presence through you in such a way that friends or family members or neighbors will say, how do you have peace in the middle of all of this fear? Or how did you manage to have such good friendships with really different people? Or why do you have hope? How is it that you can process the tragedies that you're walking through with some element of of comfort and capacity to still care for others? As the presence of Jesus moves in us and through us, other people around us will recognize, and we are instructed to be ready to give the answer for the hope that we have, that Jesus is the one who makes us whole, that he's the one who empowers us, that he himself is our peace. And so we want to be intentional to create opportunities for us to grow and to flourish and thrive, to be ready to share our faith with those around us. I want to encourage you to keep your eyes open for what we're going to call Christian Life and Witness classes that will be coming up in the next couple of months. Likely, they'll be the first three Wednesdays in May. Uh, We might also do a weekend option. But this is a three-week course that just really is designed all around how do we live out our faith authentically and really well, and how do we be prepared to share our faith with the lives of people around us. So I want to encourage you to put that on your calendar and be prepared. Watch for that. It's just a really critical space for us to feel like we're equipped and ready so we won't feel so insecure or unsure about how we can share our faith with others. I want you to imagine just for a moment, what would happen? What would happen if we were intentional to join Jesus in the life-transforming work that he is doing all around us? So many people that you and I know and love and care for, they could experience life. They could experience peace and hope and freedom and joy and intimacy with Jesus that would change them forever. It would change our communities, it would change our church, it would change our city, it would change our families, it would change our world. And Jesus says to me and to you, I am entrusting to you, to us as a church, this ministry of reconciliation. God is making his appeal through us. Let's be faithful to share the wonder and the goodness of all that we have in Jesus. Let's not hold on to the cinnamon buns and stick them underneath our seat. Let's be generous. Let's be courageous. Let's share the wonderful goodness of all that we have in Christ. Let's do it prayerfully. Let's do it in step with the Holy Spirit. Let's invite people into the life of the church. Let's meet them where they're at. Let's do it whatever way Jesus invites and calls us to. And as a first step, what I want to invite each one of us to do right now is just to take out uh, the piece of paper that you were given when you came in. In the pew in front of you, there's a number of pens. I want to encourage you to just reach in, grab one of those pens, grab the piece of paper, and let's just take a moment. And who are the five that Jesus is putting on your heart? Maybe you already know, and it's really easy, you know for sure, these are five people that I am passionate about that I want to ask Jesus to move in their lives. And maybe you need a few minutes because there's so many people just to ask him, which five do you want me to prioritize right now? 
So let's just take a few minutes and just take some time just to fill this out, to put the five names in of the five people you believe Jesus is calling you to pray for in the course of this time. And again, if you don't know five people who don't know Jesus, just spend these moments asking him, Jesus, would you give me the five people that you want me to engage with? Let's take this time now. What I want to encourage you to do in the upcoming days is to place this card somewhere where you're going to see it often. Again, probably this week, we're going to need the reminder to continue to remember to pray for these people. Probably after this week, you may not even need the card. You might just already have it uh, fully together and in place. I also want to encourage you just to keep your eyes open for the Christian Life and Witness classes as they come up this spring. As you go through each and every day, just to be mindful of what are the opportunities that Jesus is giving to you? What are the doors that he's opening that he wants you to engage with? Where is he calling you to listen? Where is he calling you to speak? Where does he want you to share some of your story or to pray for someone else? Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you once again that you've called us from darkness into the wonders of your glorious light. Lord, we thank you for this incredible privilege that you have given to us to make us your agents of reconciliation. Would we be faithful to walk with you and to pursue you, to journey with you so that you could make your appeal through us? Would we continue to pursue you in all things and in every way? Lord, would you light within us a healthy, holy fire, a longing and desire? Would you fill us with your own unique passion for the people all around us, that we could see them through your eyes, that we could love them with your heart? Would you give us wisdom to pursue you and to walk with you? Give us courage and boldness where we feel afraid and unsure, and grant us the capacity to take each and every step faithfully with you. We just want to surrender to you all of our fears, all of our feeling of inadequacy, any unhealthy level of guilt. We want to offer to you all the uncertainty that we feel around us, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do a miracle within us, and you would empower us to walk this out faithfully and well, that your name would be glorified and that this world would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen.